Get your guns up, Red Raider Nation. Let's go. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock and leave it. Texas Tech can start packing for Omaha. Yo, what's good, Red Raider Nation? This is episode two of the nation's official podcast. I am your host, TJ Kern, alongside my buddy, as always, co-host Blake Hartsfield. Blake, how's it going, man? Doing well, TJ. Uh, ready to get into what was a disappointing uh, game for the Red Raiders this weekend, but uh, lots to talk about. Definitely a lot on the plate for episode two, the nation's official podcast. Uh, at the Nation Pod on Twitter, guys, go out and give us a follow. Put out the uh, uh, alerts there for at Guns Up Nation for uh, the Nation. Uh, we want to thank those guys again for allowing us to do this venture here. And Blake, I got a question for you to start the show. All right. Do you know what you were doing 14 years ago today, November first, two thousand and eight? I do know what I was doing. I was at the uh, Texas Tech versus Texas uh, football game, the Michael Crabtree game, sitting in the crowd with my dad. I was a junior in high school. Uh, yeah, junior in high school. Uh, and knew I was going to Tech at that point, but it took in that game. And uh, one of the best nights of, of Red Raider football in history and, and was thrilled to have been in the crowd for it. Yeah, you were in the crowd. Um, what was what was the uh, atmosphere like? I was not. I'll get into my story here in a second. But just from the time they scored the touchdown, a minute 29 left on the clock. Sure. And then take us through a minute 29 left on the clock to the end of the game. Well, I'll back up even before that. Just the whole weekend, there was just an electricity in the air. Game day was in town for the first time ever. I remember being out the night before um, with some of my cousins I who were at Tech. hope we kick their ass today. Yeah, the, the, the classic Bobby Knight quote, uh, which was great. But I remember camping out the night before with my cousins who were at school there and then going to game day. And um, at kickoff, it, there was just an electricity in the stadium and um, we start off so good with the safety with Colby Whitlock, I believe, and the crowd goes ballistic. But, um, you know, we lead the whole game. And to, to answer your question, Texas scores, takes their first lead of the game, and, and there's kind of a hush over the crowd. And I remember looking at my dad and going, they left us too much time. Um, we get the ball back. Obviously, Harrell, you know, drives us down down the field. We get the, You have the, the heart-stopping moment where Blake Gideon drops probably the easiest interception of all time. Um, when I watched the play live, I thought the game was over. And then you see the replay, you see the ball slip through his hands. You're like, okay, we've got a chance. And then the very next play, obviously Harrell hits Crabtree and the rest is history. Um, watching the, the field get rushed three times, uh, cause people didn't realize the game wasn't over. There was still a second to go. And then, um, it's just complete pandemonium and chaos. And then we're kicking off from like our own end zone. And, you know, we do the squib kick and Texas isn't then able to do anything with it. And we end up winning the game and, and the field gets rushed for the, the third and final time. And um, just an unbelievable night that will be tough to ever replicate for, for Texas Tech. Again, just given that it was Texas and, and everything that, that goes into that game, the stakes and everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, Texas comes in. Colt McCoy and company, Mac Brown, 
the hated Longhorns from Austin, as Brent Musburger called them during the broadcast. Um, I actually was in college. Uh, it was my my second year at Tech, and I was a uh, producer board op for like six fifty an hour at the sports radio station in town. So, yeah, I I, uh, I wasn't wasn't very rich by any means, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, I had to do the the second half of the game and the post game show at the uh, radio station. So I'm, I'm watching the first half at the Chili's across the street. And, man, I, I might have had a, a couple beverages. And, uh, man, we, we were just going nuts. I think I saw Paul Wall was there uh, at Chili's, like couldn't even get a seat. Like it, it, was, it, it was pandemonium. I mean, like you said, as soon as we start off the gate, um, then I have to leave. <laughs> So I'm I'm like chucking it, man. I'm I'm chopping to my car. I I there's nobody on the road because everybody's watching the game. So I'm able to get to the the radio station in time, and uh, we we watch the second half. Now, for those of you that don't know, radio is about eight seconds ahead of TV. So uh, Texas scores. We get the ball. The, the famous Graham Harrell quote, they left us too much time. And then, of course, after the, after the famous play, Crabtree goes, I dreamed it in my head. Like, those are sound bites that I'll, I'll never forget. But I'm in, the, I'm in the studio. We're getting ready to do the postgame show, and it's going to be a downer. Like, we're, we're sitting there like, man, this is, this is going to absolutely be a downer. And then out of nowhere – Got the big man, Crabtree, pulls free, and just, oh, man. And, and after the postgame show, of course, I go in and help burn the rest of Lubbock down with the rest of the students. I mean, it, it, it was a, such, a, such an incredible night 14 years ago. Uh, today, as we record this on November 1st, and I can't say November 1st without saying happy birthday, Mom. I'm not going to say how old you are, but November 1st, thanks for bringing me into this world. Um, but the crazy thing, man, freshman, you want to know how long ago that was, Blake? I do not. So it, it put it this way. The freshmen that are at tech right now were like four years old. <laughs> I guess you, you're right. I just, you don't think about it that way, but it, it was a while ago and hopefully Joe McGuire can get us back to be able to play a game with that kind of stakes. And speaking of Joy McGuire, what a segue. God, he's a pro, that Blake Hartsfield. Man, brings us to the Baylor game last Saturday at the Jones. Blackout, Patrick Mahomes in attendance, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And the Red Raiders pretty much laid an egg, Blake. As complete a game as they played on uh, two weeks ago against West Virginia, they – really were just outmatched on both sides of the ball last Saturday. And it, it started in the trenches. What'd you think? You hit the nail on the head, TJ. I think that uh, for as good of a game as we played at what against West Virginia, not at West Virginia, we obviously were at home, but um, we played just as poor of a game against Baylor. Baylor came in and to their credit, they had a great plan. Uh, they probably have the best defensive line that we are going to play this year. And it showed TJ, they, they dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You know, to, to win a football game, you got to win one of one of the two lines of scrimmage. And we lost both. 
very badly. Baylor has pressure all day long in the first half. Baron Morton's out there running for his life. We have no running game in the first half. Um, they're getting pressure, rushing four, sometimes even three guys, and they're getting to the backfield quickly. Um, offensively, Baylor is able to establish the line of scrimmage. They run the ball uh, right down our throats, for a lack of a better way to put it. Uh, their freshman running back, Richard Reese, goes for 148 yards and three touchdowns on 36 carries. TJ, that's 4.1 yards of yards of tote. Um, they rush for 231 yards and four scores as, as a team, and they dominate time of possession uh, almost two and a half to one over the Red Raiders. So you're not going to win very many football games when you can't protect your quarterback and when they can establish the run and, and do exactly what Baylor was able to do. Yeah, 45-17 doesn't do it justice. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this game was was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. Um, Baylor outscores Tech 21-0 in the fourth. But I want to talk about the we can talk about some of the some of the calls if you want. I don't I'm not a big official basher, but there were the PI at the end of the first half was a was a huge one. And then of course the jump ball, we debated about it. Should it have been a touchdown? Should it have been a pick? Those two plays were were absolute killers for the Red Raiders that went Baylor's way. But I want to talk about at 11.09 left in the, the, the half, 11.09 in the, in the half, they're already calling for Tyler Shuck on the TV. And I'm sitting there going, if you put in Tyler Shuck right now, after we had to watch four games of Donovan Smith run this offense, and Baron Morton, who's played actually really good football, can't figure out a way to play himself out of some adversity. Like this was the the time to see what Baron Morton was made of. And Blake, the kid led you to a, a one score game going into the fourth quarter. I completely agree. I think that the commentators were trying to put Baron into a quick and early grave. And to Joey McGuire's credit, he let he let the kid play through it. He's talked about it when Donovan was struggling that you got to kind of let that position play through it and learn and grow. And um, that's the best thing for the program is, is Baron was able to, to have the rough half and, and frankly, just a rough game, um, but was able to, to make some plays in the second half that they finally got the run game going a little bit. Um, and he did bring him back to within seven. And then obviously the fourth quarter was, was a disaster all the way up and down. Yeah, I mean, the defense, uh, like I said, th- this 45-17 to 17 score is so deceiving if you just look at this thing. Um, they get the late touchdown. They get the late pick six when Shuck enters the game. Um, th- this was a well-contested football game for the majority of it. And Well, I, I, I don't know about that, TJ. I mean, we did kind of get run off the field in the first half. You know, they go into half it, it, with a 17-3 to lead, and then they scored early in the – you know, the, the second half starts. We go three and out. They score immediately, and we're down 24-3. to Then we finally got some things going for the rest of that third quarter. So we, we played probably one really competitive quarter. Um, well, I was going, yeah. Where I was going was on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, okay. You, you, you had you had several. You had at least two fourth quarter, uh, or not fourth quarter, uh, fourth down stops. Um, they they were giving the offense plenty of chances. Put it that way. I think that that's a, a good way to put it. I think that even though we were down big at halftime, the defense, given how and that little, was not pass interference. 
No, it wasn't. I, I, I don't. It, I don't call out the refs, but no, that it, was it not wasn't. pass interference. Well, it, that was not pass interference, just as much as the dual possession was a touchdown, and we we debated that a little bit on our post game show. Um, but you know, the defense did a nice job of of keeping the game within reach, even with the seventeen to three deficit going into half. Given how little the offense was doing, given how much the defense had to be on the field in that first half, as Baylor just continued to to churn out first downs on the ground. It was pretty 22 clear. Twenty-two minutes, yeah. Twenty-two minutes of of time of possession in the first half alone. Yeah, and you know, you're, it's just hard to win football games. The defense is going to inevitably wear out. I thought that they gave about as good of an effort as they could, but this is a game that doesn't really take the sails out of or the, the wind out of the the Joey McGuire sails. Um, I think that this is one that you watch the film. I guess Monday, so yesterday, and then you flush it. And you move on to TCU. It was a bad game. It's going to happen. It's a new regime. Uh, you're playing a, a redshirt freshman at quarterback, and and this was just a bad game. Flush it and move on. Flush it and move on. But, Blake, there's an old saying in football. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. What if you have three? Well, what does that mean if you have three? Yeah, and Joey talked about this a little bit in this press conference, I believe, on Monday, that this was the week to bring out this – this rumored three quarterback package that they have, they, they claim to have been, I'm sorry, that all needs to be tabled. Okay. At this point, people are wanting to, there's people calling for Tyler Shuck. There's people calling for Donovan Smith. Baron Morton has one bad game, TJ, and people are trying to put the kid on the bench when the best thing for the program, in my opinion, is that Baron starts the rest of the year. No barring injury, no matter what, He's allowed to make mistakes. He's allowed to, to grow. He's allowed to continue to develop. And you roll into 2023 with him as your quarterback. If there was going to be an argument, it's got to be for Shuck. I don't think you can go back to Smith after what you saw from in the first five games of the season. Um, my problem with Shuck is that, as we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, he's using this as an audition for the pros. He's probably not coming back next year, regardless of the fact that he has another year of eligibility. And you, if you do that, you risk losing Baron Morton altogether. And this is a redshirt freshman. That's your highest rated quarterback prospect of all time. Not to mention when I watched Chuck come in the other night, he has the, obviously the, the horrible throw that led to the pick six where he kind of throws a, a hanging floater to the from one hash to the other, from the opposite hash to the far sideline. And, that just gets broken on every single time and was a no doubt pick six. But then even beyond that, do you remember when Alan Bowman broke his clavicle back to back years? And then he came back and he just was a shell of himself and he looked scared to get hit. And he was immobile in the pocket and kind of did the clamp up thing when, when pressure, I saw a lot of that from Chuck and I feel bad for the kid, but it looks like he's afraid to get hit and you can't have that, especially with this offensive line. Well, I <laughs> The offensive line is something that has been up and down, to put it nicely, this season um, for the Red Raiders. But as far as your point about Morton getting a long leash, should get the rest of the season, I'm with you. But I think it's super important that this team gets to a bowl game. And now you've got TCU coming up. We're going to get to them here in a minute here on the Nation's official podcast with TJ and Blake. Uh, brought to you by At Guns Up Nation. We are the nation's official podcast. Um, I, I, you're four and four. I, I think if you go to Fort Worth this weekend 
and Baron struggles again, and you find a way to drop this one, I would give him the Kansas game. I could even be talked into Tyler Shuck for the Kansas game. No. And, I, and I'm changing my tune on that because I just think it's super important for what Joey McGuire's built to end this season on a positive note and get to a bowl game. I think Baron Morton is your future. I think Baron Morton is your starter for 2023. I think Donovan Smith has proven that whether you want to put him at receiver or tight end or the, the swoops package that Texas had a few years ago where he's just a fourth and short running quarterback, Tim Tebow-esque, if you will, um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But man, we gotta gotta get some wins, and I'm that not. leads us to that leads us to this Saturday at TCU in Fort Worth with big their their version of College Game Day coming to Fort Worth. Yeah, it's a big game, TJ. Uh, TCU is is ranked number seven in the country. They've got playoff aspirations, but uh, and I got to be careful with what I say here. My wife did graduate from TCU, and she's a big TCU uh, fan, obviously. So. Um, well, I've and got, I hope I've she's got, a fan of the, the nation's official podcast. She she is. She did. She got her uh, master's degree from tech. So she does have a little bit of a, of a split allegiance there, but she definitely claims TCU, which was her undergrad. And I get that. So I'm going to tread carefully with what I say here. Um, TCU is having a great year. They're a very good football team. Um, I don't, you're not going to convince me that they're the seventh best team in the country, TJ, based I've watched a lot of their games because I sit and watch them with her. They're good, but they're not, number seven in the country good um this is not a game that the red raiders can't win they could win it now they're they're a 10 point dog on the road and that's to be expected but if tech plays their best game and they play like they played against west virginia or they play like they played on the road against oklahoma state in a loss they can win this game i would love nothing more one because i'd get bragging rights against my wife and could rub that in her face and that would be fun but two after all of this nonsense that their athletic director, Jeremiah uh, Donati, I think is how you say it, goes on Twitter and says, you can expect more of this ticket shenanigans with the basketball game in December. And they've gone through the extreme lengths that they've done to, to keep Red Raiders from getting tickets from, you know, being it being the only game on their home slate that, you know, they don't put as a single game sale and you've got to buy this mini package. And then last week they, the ticket office said that they were sold out, but then they were still selling it. If people had a TCU, um, a TCU email address from like a former student, or if you had like a DFW area number, they'd sell it to you, but any other number they wouldn't sell. Frankly, TJ, this is embarrassing. They're a top 10 team. This is arguably the best season they've ever had other than maybe the 2014 year where them and Baylor uh, were both in the playoff hunt as well it's embarrassing to be in the top 10 and to going to this length to, to not sell out a game for the quote unquote game of the week on Fox, which is their version of game day. My man, Gus Johnson on the call, man, I am a fan of broadcasters just as much as I am a fan of sports. And I know a lot of people don't like his antics, but I love Gus Johnson touchdown red Raiders down go the horn frogs. I can hear it now. I'd love it. I'll be at the game on, on Saturday. It's an 11 a.m. kick, but the keys to this game, TJ, you're going to have to get better offensive line play. Now, now TCU does not have the level of defensive line play that you were, you've just faced against Baylor. So just by that, you should have a little bit more time for Barron. 
I do think Barron is going to start this game. All the reports out of Lubbock are that he's still getting the number one reps, which is good. Um, the offense is going to have to establish a little bit of a run game. You don't, while I do think this game is going to be high scoring, I don't think that we want to get into just an all out shootout with TCU. You're going to have to find a way to stop, you know, Max Duggan. He, he is a good quarterback. He's a dual threat. Uh, a lot of similarities to, to Sanders from Oklahoma state. And, and he definitely pre- presented a problem uh, for the red Raiders. He's not as mobile as like a Martinez up at K state, but he does have the threat of running. He's a better thrower uh, than Martinez. So um, you're going to have to play one of your best games of the year to win this one. And the splash plays. I, I did a little bit of advanced scouting myself watching that West Virginia TCU game uh, with these two eyeballs, uh, my, my trained eyes here on the uh, nation's official podcast uh, scouting guru. And I, uh, the, the splash plays are going to be something to, to keep an eye out for. They, uh, they love the big play down, down here in Fort Worth with TCU. But you can move the ball in this defense. I honestly believe that. They give up yards, and I think we're going to have ch- a, a chance to score points. This could be one of those classic Big 12, whoever has the football last type games. That's what Vegas and- thinks. The over-under 69.5, TJ. So – Vegas thinks it's going to be a high-scoring football game. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm excited for it. Um, there's a lot of things to be excited about uh, because, the, well, TCU calling themselves DFWs. What, what do they call them? Calling themselves DF, DFWs Big Twelve Team hashtag or something. But yeah. we're gonna find out who who the DFW Big Twelve Team is. Uh, come Saturday, and I, I hope it's the Red Raiders. A uh, lot of red and black around that around that stadium and in that stadium. It's going to be loud. Uh, 11 a.m. kick on Fox. Um, a lot to look forward to. But, man, like I said, at 4-4, four and four, if you find a way to drop this one, that Kansas game becomes the biggest game of your season. Well, it's not going to ever be bigger than the Texas game was, but yes, I hear what you're saying. It, it becomes an absolute must have to get bowl eligible. And then you'd have to get one of the last two against the, at Iowa state or home against Oklahoma. I do think this team is going to find a way to a bowl irregardless of the result of the TCU game this weekend. Yeah. So a lot of excitement, Joy McGuire and company going to put out their best effort. I think you'll get a better effort than you got last week. And Blake, there's some some more news here uh, on the nation's official podcast about the Big 12 in their future. But before we get there, I want to I want to thank everybody who tuned in to our Twitter spaces that you and I hosted on the nation's official at Guns Up Nation Twitter page after the game. Um, and I want to let everybody know that from this point forward, I now know to mute the television when I'm on a, when I'm on the microphone going forward. So some minor technical difficulties there, but hey, you live and you learn, right? We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's a good time. It's something that we're going to be doing for the rest of the football season with the exception of the TCU game this weekend since I'll be at the game, but we'll do it for the remaining uh, football games and then we'll be continuing it into the basketball season for um, major non-conference games, and then for all conference and tournament games after that. So something I'm definitely excited about. And um, it's just a, you know, a 10 to 15 minute conversation after the game. We are going to get some fan interaction and take questions. So it, it's just going to be a good time to, to get raw reaction from the games. Yeah, we'll get better as, as uh, we go along. 
at Guns Up Nation. Make sure you have those alerts turned on so you know when we go live there uh, for our, our post-game Twitter spaces with uh, TJ and Blake. But right now you're listening to the nation's official podcast with TJ and Blake. Blake, go, why don't you go ahead and uh, give them that handle, man. We need to get you some more followers out there, dude. Uh, it's at B Hartsfield 10, B H A R T S F I E L D 1 0. And I'm at TJ Kern, T E E J A Y K E R N. The show is at The Nation Pod. And of course, can't forget the guys at The Nation, at Guns Up Nation. And Blake, to finish up the show, we do want to talk about some news here. Not only does basketball tip off in about a week, but some big, big news about the Big 12 going forward minus uh, Oklahoma and Texas with the media rights deal. Yeah, uh, the commissioner over the weekend announced a a new agreement with ESPN and Fox to carry the Tier 1 and Tier 2 rights of the Big 12 moving forward uh, after OU and Texas leave. It's going to average at the start of the deal. It's a, it's a it's a deal that is a six-year extension, I believe, through 2031, which is really important, TJ, because it brings your your next round of uh, negotiation up for before when the ACC deal breaks, I believe, in 2033. Um, so you get the next you know sit, seat at the table to renegotiate there. Um, but the biggest thing for me is this is it, it secures the conference's future moving forward. It's 31 million a year to start off the deal that'll raise to about 35 million a year per school. Um, to start by the end of the, the deal. When you also add in the accelerators and bonuses from the college football playoff, as well as the NCAA tournament, each team in the Big 12 is going to be taking home between 55 and $60 million a year. Now, it's not the, the 90 to $100 million that the Big 10 is going to get or the 80 to $100 million that the SEC is going to get. But, TJ, given where we were 14 months ago when Oklahoma and Texas announced that they were leaving the, the conference for the, for the SEC – if you'd have told me then that the Big 12 was not only a going to survive and and um, be able to you know strengthen by by going and adding the four schools that they did, but that they would be getting 55 to 60 million a year, I I would have not believed you. So it, it secures the conference's future. I also think that you're kind of dealing a death blow to the Pac-12 in that you you got the deal done before them. Um, they are obviously losing UC, USC and UCLA to the Big 10. Um, and, and now Fox and ESPN kind of have all of their, their time slots filled between the deals that they already had with the SEC and the Big Ten and then adding the Big 12. You're kind of boxing them out. Um, I think it, you just became that much more attractive to the four corners, which we've talked about in the past, of adding Colorado, Utah, and the two Arizona schools. Um, but if nothing else, even if they decide to stay home, they're forced to kind of go to Amazon, and while they might be able to get the dollars closed from Amazon, the exposure and the national perception goes way down because you just get a lot less eyeballs there than you do from traditional networks in ESPN and Fox. Yeah, great news for the Big 12. Um, Commissioner Yormark coming in and putting his mark on the conference already with uh, this uh, media deal getting done. And what excites me is that Texas Tech needs to be a major player in this new big 12 and that includes football yeah and i think we've got the right man at the at the helm to get us there joe mcguire has a plan he has a vision he understands program building as we've talked about um extensively on on this pod as well as our previous pod um basketball and baseball are powers let's get football back to where we're competitive and i see no reason why in this new big 12 uh, that the, the top three kind of football programs on a year and year out basis aren't 
Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and BYU. Um, it's it's a goal that's achievable. I'd love to become Oklahoma State's main rival and kind of run this conference with them and have that game meet, have a lot of meaning on a year in year out basis. Um, and that's what we need to be. That needs to be the goal and where we where we need to be by the end of this contract uh, to set up for the next round of realignment. Yeah, so a lot of fun stuff going on in Red Raider land despite the loss on Saturday to Baylor. Um, looking forward to this Saturday, TCU here on the nation's official podcast with TJ and Blake. And Blake, we will not have the post game show this week because you will be in behind enemy lines, sitting there watching a game with the purple yourself. I hope you're going to be decked out in red and black. Oh, I've already made that very clear to the wife. I'm not wearing purple. <laughs> I, I would hope you're not wearing purple. That's that's an ugly shade on you, my friend. Yeah, never going to happen. Well, good. And everybody, we want to thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Nation's Official Podcast with TJ and Blake. And Blake, how do we always like to end the show? Wreck them. Wreck them. We'll see you guys soon.